Welcome back to the next edition of the Metric Stack Podcast. We're joined today by Laura Lentz, who's a partner at Omer's Ventures based here in Canada. She's led recent deals into early stage tech startups, including Solink, Bold Commerce, and Work. Laura has over 15 years venture investing experience and is a huge believer in the potential for Canadian startups to take their place on the global stage. I'm Lauren Thibodeau, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Alan Villa. Huge welcome. Thanks for coming on the show, Laura. Thanks for having me. All right, Laura. So let's let's set the stage. So today we're talking about net revenue retention. Before we get into the details, why don't you give us a little bit of context? What kind of business objectives should we be thinking about to, to set the stage? Yeah, I mean, I think for the business objective here is, is for a high growth recurring revenue company to really understand what is driving their revenue growth and where the customer health is in their business. I, I remember a board meeting probably a decade ago now where I asked the question, what are you doing to sell into your existing customer base? And it was a blank stare in response. Fast forward to today, it, it's NDR, I like to call it net dollar retention. Yep. It, it is top of mind for any CEO and any sales team. And so it has become a very critical aspect of a business as they, as they look at the metric. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, whether whether you call it net dollar retention or net MRR retention or, you know, whatever it is, that that idea that you're looking at your existing base and looking at what the net movement is inside of that base is super, super critical. Now, is it is it really just for SaaS companies? Is it is there sort of a, a company size where it's too small or too early? What What stage of company should we be thinking about here? Yeah, I mean, so I would say it's any it's any company that has recurring or reoccurring revenue in nature, right? So it's not necessarily exclusively for SaaS, although it definitely plays in the SaaS world quite nicely. But it's pretty much that has reoccurring revenue that could be transaction revenue, could be uh, usage, consumption revenue, etc. And, and I would say once you get north of a million dollars in revenue, you want to start looking at this. Way. Okay. That's fantastic. And you mentioned you noticed a difference between 10 years ago and today around kind of people's awareness of this metric. Could you just break down for us, like, what is it exactly? What you, should you include when you actually calculate net dollar NDR? Okay. So, so from a pure calculation standpoint, NDR is your starting MRR plus, plus your expansion revenue, less any downgrade revenue or contracted revenue less any churn revenue, bracketed, divided by your starting MRR times your 100%. I wish I had a whiteboard here to, to write that out. But the idea is beginning MRR plus any addition to revenue during the period, less any subtraction of revenue during the period divided by that starting MRR point. And uh, expansion revenue can be an increase in usage it can be an increase in products, right? Downgrade revenue can be downgrading to a lower pricing plan. It can be, it can be cancellations from an like a usage headcount standpoint, removal of any recurring add-ons that you might have in your business, and and churn is, is obviously any lost or canceled subscription. But but just to be clear, I mean, we are talking about revenue movement, subscription revenue movement that exists solely in your base. We're not talking about any new customers that are coming in. So, you know, NRR or NDR is really about what's happening inside of that existing 
cohort of, of customers. Correct. Absolutely. And I'm sorry if I wasn't clear on that. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely. No, I was, I was picturing the whiteboard and I was like, okay, now how do we, how do we reframe this, you know, so that it can be, you know, yet another example here. So. Right. So you're, you're, you know, you're starting customers in January of 2021. What is that starting group of customers pay in January of 2022 and who has added to revenue and who has subtracted to revenue during that time period? Now, I remember when you said, you know, you were sitting in this board meeting X number of years ago, I remember a similar thought because I was looking, and again, this is like, you know, a long time ago. I remember Basecamp was one of these awesome companies. Everybody, uh, you know, loved to sort of model themselves after. But Basecamp had a pricing model that was a flat fee. And if I sort of translate that to, to today's pricing maturity, a flat fee where there's no ability to upgrade, no ability to add other products will basically not result in any kind of positive net dollar retention, right? So I think pricing is a really important part of that as well. And I, I don't know if you remember the, the base camp pricing, but... Yeah, and so I, I mean, I think expansion revenue can come from, of course, your pricing models, right? And so how do you increase pricing in your existing customer base based on usage, right? But also it can come from growing your customer base. So if it's, if it's, I don't know, one division and you're selling into seven divisions, right? How do you increase your ACB? And that way it can also come from launching new products and selling those existing products into your, into your, sorry, selling those new products into your existing customers yes. and, and what attach rates or cross sell rates are on those products as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are important levers. So thanks for calling those out. Why is this such a fundamental metric? We're seeing it more and more nowadays called out all over conferences and people are calling it out. Why is it such an important metric? Why should we care about this one so much in SaaS? Yeah, so, you know, I actually, I, I, I couldn't remember who actually coined this term. And I wish I knew that for the sake of this podcast, because I would love to give that person credit. We used to talk about farming and hunting of your existing customers, right? You know, there's execs that, that hunt and there's certain execs that, that farm and do a really good job with that. Somebody coined this term NDR and, and I do want to give them full credit. So if you have that name, throw it in the podcast. Um, but I, I do think the pandemic, first of all, now, now again, the term was, the term was around before the pandemic to be clear on that, but the pandemic taught us the importance of selling into our existing customers because you couldn't go to conferences. You couldn't do the golf and steak dinners. Right. And you frankly couldn't get a lot of people in their office lobby when, when you were trying to do your outbound sales. And so you had to resort to mostly email campaigns. If you look at 2020 and KeyBank put out this number, 50% of new ARR bookings, 50% of the growth in bookings came from upsell and expansion within existing customers during the pandemic. I see that in the report. I also see it across some of our portfolio companies as well, because who knows your product better than you? Your customers that use it every day, right? And I think the pandemic taught us it's important to sell into your existing customers. It's, of course, also an important metric in terms of understanding the health of your revenue and therefore the perceived value of your 
product and how your customers are using the product. I, and I think that's a, that's a good point too. So understanding, using this metric to understand the health of the business, health of, of the product, health, health of different different uh, uh, you know channels. How would you sort of advise somebody to look at this metric? How should they be segmenting it, uh, cohorting it? You know, are there sort of good standard ways to 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 look at this number over other numbers? Well, so I mean, so the number itself and the calculation itself. I mean, if you're at one million in Bayer, maybe you do it on a quarterly basis. But I think any team that has built a business north of a million or five million should be doing this on a monthly basis. And it's one thing to just say my number is X. It's another to understand why your number is X, right? And what what's going into that calculation? What are those inputs that are making it either a median or below the law line or top tier? And maybe I can just share some of those numbers to start. Yeah. So a few benchmarks. If you're 100% of below, you need to start looking at your business and trying to figure out what's causing the NDR to be lower than 100%. If you're at 110%, you're at the median across, you know, SaaS companies in North America. And if you're 130% or higher, you're best in class. And of course, everybody wants to strive for best in class. And in order to fundraise efficiently and effectively, you want to be in that 130% as well. And so this, these are annual numbers, right? So it's 130% on an annual basis or, or you're flat or below on an annual basis. And I think just just so that we've got the numbers, I think that 130% generally translates to about 102, 103% on a monthly basis, uh, if if I'm not mistaken, maybe it's slightly more than that. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know that number, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I remember I remember doing the math and there's some sort of a, uh, uh, you know, complicated method to do it. But but 100%, I've, I've seen that, you know, on an annual basis, if you're at 130%, your business is flying. And I mean, it is so much easier to grow your revenue if you have an existing base that is contributing every single month to that revenue line. So I think this is why it's so important. And conversely, if your existing base is not helping you grow, you have to replace that every single month with new. And, you know, we all know that getting new folks in the door is way more effort, you know, than looking at those existing customers. It also, it also obviously speaks to, you know, do you actually have product uh, market fit? You know, do you have good efficiency in your lifetime and things like that? Yeah. And so maybe like we can dig into the numbers a bit, or not the numbers, but the, the inputs a bit, mm-hmm. right? To, to your point, if you're below 100%, it means churns and downgrades were greater than any growth that your company enjoyed during the year. So all of that effort in sales and marketing, all of that spend in sales and marketing is not making up for the churn or the downgrade of your business, which is frankly a path to zero, unfortunately, right? It's, it's just really hard to scale your business if the churn is taking over your net new growth, right? And, and so I think if, you're, if your NDR is less than 100% there, you need to think about where is your product or your customer success falling short because sales is actually sales and marketing in this case is actually doing their job right Mm. but 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 the churn is high so you need to dig into that and so is your customer onboarding 
smoothing this is it appropriate can it be streamlined are people getting trained within the first month so that they're using the product efficiently and properly within three months before that contract renewal comes up you know customer experience like is there strong engagement what is the mps um of the customer in the product today you know is pricing optimized right we talked a little bit about pricing and how you want to make sure that your pricing is optimized to get the best dollars out for the value delivered. And so what are different pricing models that you can you can put into the business? And we're starting to see platform fee plus transaction revenue fees. There's at least a baseline there occurring. We're definitely starting to move towards consumption-based pricing, right? So not just headcount, but but how many units are you drawing down? And then of course, you know, where I always like to see it go because I think that there's excitement when you can build real platform companies with many different products is can we add additional products? Like what is our customer using our product for today? And are there ancillary products? I mean, we saw this, of course, with like all the financial services that got layered into all these SaaS companies in the last five years. You know, what's the what's the next product that you can offer your customers? Because again, You've gone through procurement, right? You've gone through the sales process, you've gone through procurement. You have happy customers using the product. It's easier to make that sale to existing customers that know your brand and have signed off on legals, right? So so what can you do to build out your product as well is always an important point. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And we should pause and think about that or illustrate that again, because you're right. I mean, within each product, you should always be striving to have, you know, that good product market fit and onboarding so that you have positive NDR. But then it's almost like a step function. If you can add additional product, it's a step function where that additional product also should have positive NDR. So you're really multiplying the exposure that you have within every single customer. You're probably also, by doing that, you're solidifying the relationship with them and you're probably going to see, you know, your logo churn go down. So I, I, I mean, that, yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's, I think that's a really important one for, for everybody to sort of just pause and think about, because I think the more broadly you can get into the customers with something that really adds value where they are contributing to NDR, it has huge, huge effects downstream. I'm curious about something and I'd, I'd love to ask you about it. So we've mentioned KeyBank. Uh, there's some other really good benchmark studies out there. OpenView, SaaS Capital has one. Those are survey-based not actually looking at the customer data, but based on inputted responses. How well do those numbers hold up when you look under the covers of your portfolio companies and look at the actual data? Are those lined up pretty closely or is there a big gap? What's your comment on that? Yeah, so I guess I would expand it a little bit beyond just our portfolio companies. Omer's Ventures has 65 portfolio companies. Not all of them necessarily would run NDR based on either stage or, or type of business that, that they're in. There's a tendency to not share certain metrics that are not strong. And so if your NDR is not strong, you're not going to lead your fundraising pitch with that NDR number. However, once you get into diligence, the investor is going to ask for raw data to run our own NDR analysis. And so my advice, and I'm not sure I'm totally answering your question here, Lauren, but my advice is make sure your NDR is at least at the median, if not above the median of 110%, before you go look to fundraise. Have you, have you seen uh, 
NDR values increase over time? And and perhaps part two of that question, if you have seen it increase over time, is that, would you say that's because companies are becoming more mature about investing in their existing customers or is it pricing or is it something else that's driving that? Maybe it's the pandemic, right? Yeah, so so exactly, Alan. I think in the last two years, your NDR has increased because of the pandemic and almost a forced necessity to focus on the existing customers. But again, recall customer success, one of the main drivers of NDR as a team was not around for a lot of these companies seven years ago, right? This is a relatively new function within companies. And I don't know if it's seven years or nine years, but it's definitely not been around for the last 15 years of SaaS, 20 years of SaaS now maybe it is. And so so it is a relatively new function that puts a focus on the importance of customer retention, NPS, increasing cross um, products, cross-selling, all of that. And, you know, sales compensation is changing as a result, right? And some companies have this approach of product-led growth, right? Where you bring in the the customer through one developer, one business user, and then you grow within the company and then you turns into an enterprise sale. Maybe customer success is doing that sale. Maybe an AD is doing that sale. But at the end of the day, I think a lot, like, a lot of your NDR benefit comes from ensuring there's the right behavior internally. So, you know, is product thinking about changing pricing models and increasing new products? Is customer success delivering? Do you have a strong NPS score? Is the sales team compensation structured appropriately so that they actually benefit from the points that customer success brings in, right? Is, is there a handoff there that makes sense so that sales team brings in smaller deals if you know that you can land and expand the account once they're once they're a customer. So I'd love to ask you, Laura, how big a factor NDR is in valuation? Are you seeing it as an important factor for SaaS companies? Is it growing in importance, shrinking? If I look at how I value a company, the first thing is year-over-year revenue growth. The second metric is gross margin, and the third is NDR. So I would say it's pretty significant. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe that's a good segue. So, what are what are the contextual, uh, what are the related metrics that you would say NDR pairs well with? So you you mentioned two other things that you look at first, but are there other things that a a founding team, an executive team, should be looking at to sort of paint a paint a full picture? Yeah. So like, listen, I'm a bit biased here, right? Because I mean, I put a blog post saying metrics that matter. And I know I've talked to you more about this previously. So it's, you know, I look at three sort of buckets of metrics, velocity, profitability, and capital efficiency. So I would say NPS pairs well with all of the metrics within those three buckets. But I do think NDR, if I can use some acronyms here, (laughs) pairs super well with your NPS and your uh, ACV and your ARPA. So like your annual contract value and your average revenue revenue uh, per account or per location or per business. When we look at opportunities, we put it through a full SaaS metric comparison and do like a red, green, yellow stop traffic light on, um, on how the business is performing. Fantastic. 
Are there any kind of last words of advice you would offer our podcast listeners about NDR if they're just getting started or even if they've been doing it for a while? And my only piece of advice is know your number, right? Before the investor that you're talking to knows, but also know it for your business because operating your business is way more important than raising the capital. And so you need to know that and sort of an instrumentation for your business. My second piece of advice is the pandemic has taught us a lot about reaping the rewards of good customer relationships. And so um, continuing to focus on that customer, which drives up an NDR, is extremely important. And so hopefully that's one positive coming out of the pandemic. Laura Lenz is partner at Omer's Ventures. Laura, thank you so much. I think there's a lot to be learned here about NDR on getting all teams thinking in the same direction. This is a metric that probably didn't exist 10 years ago, but it's probably one of the most important metrics, especially for a company at scale today. Thanks again, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.